I started understanding and breaking down what it is that allows me to manifest in the way that I do so that not only would I be able to do it even more and enhance it, but also help other people realize their ability to manifest and guide them through that. And I remind them that when it does come, it always is truly bigger than you can ever imagine. You're listening to the Chelsea Zerna podcast, a podcast that inspires conscious leaders to live meaningful lives and to get in touch with the deepest parts of the human experience. My name's Chelsea Zerna, and I'm a woman's empowerment coach with the mission of rewilding the feminine back into society. Each week, I have a conscious conversation with best-selling authors, inspiring leaders, and spiritual lightworkers who aren't afraid to step into the unknown and explore the greatest truths of life. Thanks for listening. Today's guest is one of my favorite storytellers I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. From organically creating an online community of thousands, to hosting a morning show, organizing TEDx events, going on a world tour, working with a billionaire, and attending some of the world's best personal development events, this guest has mastered the art of manifestation. And she's on a mission to empower millions of people to live the life they love. And she's coming out with a bunch of new freebies for you to download from this podcast on manifestors.com. And I'll put the link below for those who want to check it out. I've brought her on this podcast today to share a few of her manifestation stories that I personally love. So with that being said, I'm excited to present my good friend, Yali Rashi. So, Yali, I'm so happy. Are you in that apartment that you built with your bare hands? (laughs) (laughs) With my bare hands. (laughs) It's true. Brick (laughs) by brick. (laughs) Um, I'm not, actually. It's really funny. Since I'm so nomadic, I never know where I'm going to be. So my assumption was not that I was going to be here. So someone else is renting my apartment as a guest on Airbnb right now. And I am airbnb at another place. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Such is my life. But, you know. Yali, that was such an awesome story. Uh, you literally built that place in 100 days. Oh, my yeah, gosh. That was part of my first 100-day challenge. By the way, you should see my setup right here. I'm right by a main street, so you might hear all kinds of street noise once in a while. But I also set myself up with a nice hot drink, cold drink, a smoothie. I've got all the things. So if you hear an occasional slurp or sip, you know why. I love it. So good. When we were living in Barcelona, I used to make smoothies all the time. Remember that restaurant we used to go to? Remember you got you got robbed at that restaurant or pickpocketed? Oh my god. I totally almost forgot. I remember it occasionally. Yeah, For should sure. we tell that story to anyone who's listening? <laughs> yeah, we should. I mean, I we don't even so know if it's relevant to what we wanted to talk about, but let's see what the personal development kind of lesson is out of that story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know how it started, but we were sitting at the restaurant that we would go to all the time. It was more like a cafe. Yeah. We were probably sitting in the least touristy cafe 
I've been cautious before when sitting outdoors in like a public cafe and it's super touristy. So I watch my stuff. But in this case, I like felt so at home. This was our local cafe we were going to every day. And we sat at a bench in the very end. We were eating and having a good time. And I just had my little bag on the seat next to me. And then (laughs) comes along this beggar. Homeless. Yeah, like a homeless guy. And he held a sign and it had English letters, but it made no sense. It was like this weird gibberish. And he was pointing at her food and holding that sign and coming way too close for comfort. Yeah. Remember that? Really? Yes. He was like hovering over us. Exactly. And uh, you were the nicest person on earth because the first thing you do was like try to offer him the food. (laughs) And I was trying to offer like maybe buying him something. But the thing is, we just got really confused because he held this sign like right into our food basically. And in our face and the sign made no sense. And so the confusion was real. And then at one point you just held up the plate and you were like, here, take it, take it. I was like, you're asking for food. That's exactly what was weird about it is he didn't want to pick it up. And then he ends up taking it and looking at it rather than eating it. Do you remember that? He like held it really shaky. And then he started walking away with it in his hand. I'm actually grateful that he didn't eat it because that's what clicked in my head. If he was so hungry, why is he grossed out by eating this? And he was already like out of view for a second while my head just clicked and I was like, oh my God, where's my phone? And I realize it's not in my bag next to me. And I say this to you, right? I left my shoes. Do you remember? Yeah, you left your shoes and started running and I was like... (laughs) And I ran across the street. I was like screaming to everyone. And at some point you barged out and started running after him. Oh, yeah. And so did one of the waiters. And you kept chasing him down the street. He was like a sprinter. Like if he was homeless before, he turned into an Olympic 100 meter dash runner or 400 meter dash runner. (laughs) So what happened was the second I got close enough, even though I probably wouldn't have caught him, he dropped the phone purposely. He dropped it. And I remember feeling weird. Like, why would he do that? Because everything was in there. It was my wallet, right? Um, But I'm seeing my phone. It's turning on. I'm seeing all of my credit cards there. And I'm realizing that the thing about these thieves is it's not worth it for them to get caught because they continue doing this. And out of, let's say, 10 times they don't get caught, maybe there's one time they almost do. So they're way better off letting go of whatever it is they're stealing and then the person giving up on finding them, then they are letting someone continue chasing them down the road and, and putting themselves in, in real jeopardy. It's so crazy. Yeah. And I just kept sprinting. I had no idea he dropped anything. Yeah. <laughs> that was a real bonding experience. I was so was. shaken up for a while. It was. I think that night too, or one of those next nights, we went to that restaurant and you told me you're a most incredible story, which I would love for you to share on this podcast, because that was so amazing. The time where you think just graduating high school and you wanted to come to America and then tell the story. This is so amazing. Chelsea, you were like everybody's dream listener. It was amazing. (laughs) You're like, oh, wait, tell me more about that. Wait, more details. I'm like, 
this is fun. So I think it was like a five-hour story. I think you're a great storyteller. I love listening to stories. <laughs> it was a five-hour story. So um, do we have five hours on this podcast, by the way? Yeah, yeah. I think Let's we do. do it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> We can give the the, the best details about right, the cool. whole story because um, it's so good. The story really starts with me being, you know, a girl from Israel with a dream. I wanted to go and live abroad and be in the U.S. and I wanted to act in Hollywood. You know, it's very different when you don't live in the U.S., I think inside the U.S. as well, but even more so when you're international, America is like this thing that you see on TV and even though I, I spent some years growing up there as a kid, it still felt like this unreachable, amazing dream. And everybody wanted to do the same thing. Everyone I knew in theater wanted to go and study acting in Hollywood. It was this big dream everybody has. The difference, I guess, between me and some other people was I had no doubt about it. Every fiber in my bones knew that it was possible for me, even if I had no idea how. Yeah. So I just had this dream that once I complete the military service, which is mandatory in Israel, that I would be going to Hollywood. Now, in order to do that, I had to solve some major issues like how on earth am I going to pay for acting school? I really didn't have the money. Where am I going to live if I'm there? And where do I work? Just there were so many questions, but the way that I saw it happening was me just getting on a plane straight out of the military and going to Hollywood. <laughs> and I started doing something which today, being an entrepreneur, it looks to me like those were my first actual business entrepreneurship days, although I didn't <laughs> view it that way. But what I was doing is promoting myself online, which was not a thing. We're talking about 2001, where there was no personal branding, self-promotion online. I People didn't myself, even use computers, really. I think I was learning how to type. <laughs> <laughs> I have a geek aspect in myself, and I actually taught myself how to build websites right when I like discovered the internet and like HTML was a new thing. I would sit up all night and learn code. So I knew that, and I knew graphic design, like the basics, because there was not a lot more than the basics back then. But I used that in order to create a website and I had pictures of myself and what I was looking for, what my dream was, and I put it online and, you know, it was just my idea. I, I've never seen anyone else do it. Today, it would be considered total spamming, by the way, <laughs> but I went, <laughs> I went on forums and things like that that were relevant and I just started posting my website, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm that creepy link person. But back then, again, it was just so rare that people listened. You know, I just said, hey, this is me. This is my dream. And here's the link. And people clicked it and viewed it. And so yeah. every time I'd come back from the military, I would spend all of my time over this. I had emails and emails of people who contacted me. Um, and then I had a list of people that I wanted to contact. And I was just thinking of what I could be that would allow me to both work and not be too busy to act still and go to school and would allow me to do it straight out of the military so I wouldn't have to save. And I looked at all kinds yeah. of possibilities and 
One of them was uh, maybe being a nanny, like an au pair. And I was talking to so many families. It was just a lot of work because I had really specific details, right? Um, Some families required you to work for a year before you could go to school yourself. And that wasn't a match. Some families just didn't live close enough to Hollywood. So that wasn't a match. Some other families had babies that were like a year old and you had to change diapers all day. So you obviously couldn't do anything else and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. here I was just coming back home and spending hours on the phone. My parents wanted to kill me for a while there. They were paying like $1,000 a month oh for the God. phone bill. <laughs> so yeah, That's I would amazing. come back and do this for eight months before I um, completed the military. And even though I narrowed it down to like a couple of families they weren't like the exact match of what I needed. They were either a little too far. Their kids were a little too young. But I was like, you know, it's better to get closer to my goal than nothing at all. And so I'm just going to pick one and go for it. And so I had this in my mind and I'm a week before I get released from the army. And I'm sitting in the military, like in a, in a shift at the war room. And my phone rings. It's an international unrecognized number. And honestly, I was just exhausted. (laughs) I was like, I'm not getting into this anymore. But something hit me inside. And I just remember this intuitive feel. Just I answer and I want to say it's not relevant, but it's not coming out of my mouth for some reason. And next thing I know, (laughs) it turns out the person that was on the phone with me was one of America's top billionaires at the time. And he found my website and thought it was super awesome. He was also really not tech savvy. So he felt super proud of himself for finding me. And I matched (laughs) everything he was looking for to come help him. And, you know, the job description was like, there's nothing else like it. The pay was way higher than anything I could ever expect. The lifestyle, it was Beverly Hills mansion. And it was just surreal. It was it was surreal. And also, he only needed me to work every other weekend. So I was free to do whatever I wanted. You gotta be kidding. Yeah. Every other weekend? Yeah, he was oh divorced and he needed help mostly with the children. So, uh, you know, I'll fast forward to this moment because this is the moment that I go back to many times in meditation mm-hmm. or in moments where I just want to remember this like grateful feeling of accomplishment. That's a week after I... I left the military. I was on a first class plane actually to New York, not to Hollywood because we took the kids to New York and met there and just had a great time. And I remember landing and this guy with a suit and tie picking up my suitcase. And I I thought it was him because again, internet days back then, you didn't really send photos to each other. (laughs) So I didn't even know exactly what he looked like. Until we get to the entrance of the airport and the doors open and I see this limo in front of me and I realize he's the driver. (laughs) (laughs) He drives me to the Peninsula Hotel on Fifth Avenue in New York and I walk in VIP crazy treatment all the way to my private suite. And just, I've never traveled alone at this point in my life. I've only been to hotels with my parents. You know, it's just, yeah, this was unlike anything I knew. And so I open the door with the key and I see my room and I close the door. And this is the first time that I'm alone in this entire journey. 
And so I close the door behind me. And there is a moment for the movies. I will never forget this for the rest of my life. I just jumped on the bed, danced in the mirror, screamed to the top of my lungs. Like, this is just, I could not stop celebrating. This is real celebration. And I just remember this feeling of, I told you so, and I'm proud, and anything is freaking possible. Like, here I am, this girl with a dream from Israel, with no real understanding of how on earth you're going to make this happen. And not only does it happen, but it happens in the most almost ridiculous fashion possible. Like <laughs> here I am with a like private limo for me that was, again, back then pre-Uber days, there was actually a limo driver in the limo waiting outside so that the limo would be waiting for 24 hours in case I wanted to go anywhere. Oh um, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And all I wanted was to go and study acting in Hollywood. And now, like, uh, I, I'm going with a bang. So in many ways, there was so much incredible stuff that opened up. And I had my private coaches and acting school. And all that was great. But on the other hand, um, I faced Hollywood and judgment. So there's just, like, this whole journey of Hollywood that I went through. Uh, but I was there for about a year and not just with him. I also worked with another family afterwards that were Hollywood producers. It's just like it's incredible. Yali. For me, that was the first time. I mean, I'm sure I had proof beforehand in little instances that gave me maybe the instinctual belief in the first place that it was possible despite all circumstances not necessarily providing proof for that. But that was the first time that I realized that manifestation is real and possible. And not only that, when it does work, it works in ways that are beyond what you can even imagine. And I think yeah. that's a really important, valid point. It used to be that my manifestations were kind of a thing that people would say, how does this always happen to Yali? And I really didn't mm. quite know. I, it was just kind of like a talent of mine or something like that. But as I entered the world of personal development and spirituality and kept seeing proof for manifestation being a real thing, and as I gathered other mentors, I realized that there was a science to it and that it is possible for everyone. And so I started understanding and breaking down what it is that allows me to manifest in the way that I do so that not only would I be able to do it even more and enhance it, but also help other people realize their ability to manifest and guide them through that. And so that's sure. something I'm super passionate about. And I remind yeah. them that when it does come, it always is truly bigger than you can ever imagine. Mm -hmm. You know, the one thing that I uh, take from that story too is your patience and how how much time you put into mm. contacting people, creating the website. You said it was like almost a year. I mean, aren't we so impatient these days with manifestations? Yeah. Um, a lot of people, yeah, they, they want to manifest and they want to manifest now. <laughs> and what happens on the way there is they're like, why isn't this working? And the moment you stop and say that, you're actually hindering yourself because – noticing what's not there is the exact opposite process of man. I mean, it's not true. It's actually a manifestation in itself, but it's a manifestation of what you don't want because yeah. what you focus on, you create more of. 
So basically, you're ending up noticing the gap and then focusing on the gap too much, which ultimately will manifest more of the lack rather than the Mm. actual manifestation that you're after. And so subconsciously, I guess, in that time, I was relentless and it never entered my mind to be impatient. It was, I mean, I also don't know what would have happened if I would have left the military and maybe I would have gotten impatient at some point. But for eight months, I was persistent and I gave time for it to happen. But notice Mm -hmm. that the only time it actually did come through, and this is another point about manifesting, is it only came through when I kind of let it go, right? It's when I was in that moment of like, I don't even know if I need to answer another phone call. And even if I have to compromise, I'm okay with that. I was content. I wasn't complaining. I wasn't bummed. I was content. I was like, okay. I mean, I took it this far. I'm proud of myself and that's okay. And then I released the maybe pressure that may have caused a little bit of contrast, a a little bit of resistance on the way. And the second I let it go and I trusted what was actually available to me, that's when something bigger than anything I even asked to manifest came through. Totally. Absolutely. Like letting go of the attachment and letting go of any resistance and allowing for flow. I feel like that's a huge part of, I mean, I know that's a huge part of manifestation. I think you do that really, really well. And it's funny how you've manifested so many things. And there's one more story that I feel like we should share. And, and I actually like that we're tying in what you're doing now because you are literally creating, uh, or you've created even in the past, a lot of your work based on manifestation practices. Yes, for sure. And it's a manifestation that manifestors.com just landed in my hands as well, which is going to be my next project. (laughs) So what was the other story? When you were at Tony Robbins and (laughs) they played that game, Simon says, oh, I don't even want to give it away because I just want you to say it. It was so good. Wow. I don't even remember telling anyone that story, to be honest. Um, and then you remember them. It's great. Um, when I write my book, I'm just going to call you up and be like, Chelsea, what else? What else? Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. So major fast forward, right? Because my life turned into personal development around 2012, 2013, and many more manifestations have come through. And one of them was getting to create an online personal development community that grew to many thousands of people. And it was super exciting. I was hosting a morning show and I went on a world tour. And this was in those days. So I was on my world tour and I went to, this was, I think my third, probably Tony Robbins event. And we actually had a group from my online community. Uh, We had saved seats for the entire group. So everyone was there. It was day two of the event. And I was taking care of so many things in the morning, always in those days because I was hosting my morning show. So I had to come in a little later that day. And I was late. And you know how it feels when you're late to anything, really? You're just a bit out of it for a while. Like it takes you a moment to sink, especially if it's an event or something like that. So here's Mm -hmm. like an audience of 10,000 or so people. 
and just kind of hurrying up and I have all these bags and jackets and food and all this stuff on me and just trying not to be too awkward about it and just get to my seat as fast as possible because we're in VIP seating and it's, it's somewhere in the front. And as I'm standing in the aisle and, and kind of approach my seat and start putting things down, I'm still kind of half standing in the aisle. I hear Joseph McClendon third. Uh, <laughs> he is a mentor just like Tony and they both uh, do Tony's event together. So he okay. was on the stage and I hear him go, we're going to play a little game called Simon Says. <laughs> and the second I hear this, for no reason at all, my brain just goes, I'm going to win. <laughs> now, it's like the weirdest thought, but I realize I just said this out loud. And I was right by my aisle, like the people that have come from my community, and they're all looking at me like, did you just say that? This is so weird. Like, I don't know why, but I'm I'm going to win. Like, I didn't even <laughs> sit down yet. I just put my stuff down and he told everybody to get up and we start playing Simon Says, 10,000 people. And here he is starting it off and everybody's starting to drop one after the other or hundreds after the hundreds. Yeah, how many people are in this room? 10,000. 10,000. There's 10,000 people here. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I'm going to win. <laughs> yeah, this is what was so weird about the situation. I, I actually surprised myself because I didn't even consciously say it, but it was so real for me that I said it out loud. And I'm playing Simon Says and it's a thing after a thing. And I'm almost like just observing myself do this because I don't know, you have to be in a really, really interesting state of mind to actually compete with 10,000 people in Simon Says. And also the way Joseph does it is he just really challenges you. You don't notice different pieces of, of the things he says to do. He uses like words like and in the middle, like stand up and put your hand on your head. But if he says and, you're not supposed to do it. You just do what's what he says after mm. Simon says. So stuff like that. And he talks pretty fast. So people are dropping and dropping and dropping. And I end up at some point finding myself going up on stage with a few other people. And it keeps going and going until I just remember facing this one other guy on stage and we're doing this last piece of it. And I didn't even want to win. I felt so awkward that morning. I just like was not even ready to be in this room. And here I am facing one guy on a stage in front of 10,000 people whispering to the guy in front of me. I'm like, win, like, or let me fail or something like that. <laughs> and <laughs> it didn't work for him. Um, I ended up winning and it was really great. It was a fun moment winning in front of 10,000 people. Obviously, a lot of people remember that moment. But when it ended, the conclusion that Joseph McClinton gave the audience was he asked, how many of you guys knew or decided before we started playing that you were going to win? Mm. And I had chills all over my body because the conclusion of this exercise was just that. It's like so many times we approach something without the certainty that we can absolutely do it without a shadow of a doubt. Yet here I was declaring that I was going to win. <laughs> 
know. And the rest wasn't even up to me. Oh, my God. What was even funnier is several events beforehand, I would close my eyes and I would see myself on that stage, you know, on Tony Robbins' stage. Like, it was something I knew I wanted to manifest. And I wasn't sure when or how. It could be, like, 10 years down the line when I'm a successful enough mentor to share the stage with Tony. Like, I wasn't really sure of the details, but I saw that Mm -hmm. happening. Mm. And so it was a combination of amazing that put me up there. You know, whenever these moments happen, my first response is to say, that's crazy. But actually, uh, that's not even the language I want to use. It's like, that is perfect. Like, that is mm. how it happens. That is <laughs> like, alignment. of course. Yeah, that is, that is alignment. alignment. And it's full essence. And it's, you know, it's not just mine. There's just infinite examples to this. It's actually happening all the time, but we have to also be receptive enough to allow ourselves to see that it's happening all the time. Just like those little things, like some people really believe in cosmic numbers. I can't even tell you how much I've been seeing one, 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 two, 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 two. Like every time I pick up my phone, it's some cosmic number. (laughs) Pretty crazy. So it's those little things people ask, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So Everyone is, listening just checked their <laughs> checked the clock right now. Is it a, is it a cosmic number? <laughs> but seriously, I, I, and it is a cosmic <laughs> number. Let us know in the comments below if there are comments. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that would be really cool. Um, yeah. Be. So <laughs> yeah. So it's it really doesn't necessarily have to mean anything unless it's the meaning you give it. But um, I really love some interpretations like the ones. To just say it's another proof uh, for the alignment that you're in. It's a little like mm-hmm. kind of little hint of that or a reminder of that. And th- those reminders are everywhere. And sometimes yeah. they're big and sometimes they're small. Totally. And one of the most beautiful things is I think you are an extremely open person and like down for anything, like down for the adventure. It's like, yeah. okay, spontaneity, where are you? And the beauty is that you don't have this um, this attachment or this desire to control in any way. It's like, I don't know how it's going to happen. I didn't even determine any sort of path or any plan. It's just, this is a vision that I have. And it's like a total unattachment to any sort of plan. And what I do, and what I think a lot of people do, is whenever I get a vision in my head, the next step is, okay, cool, what do I do next? And I think that's like almost counter to manifestation in a way. Because then I'm defining a path. Exactly. And I'm creating this restriction. So you're talking exactly about something that's super relevant to what I'm creating right now, if you don't mind me mentioning it. Sure. Of Um, course. Manifestors.com landed in my hands. It's in the process of being built right now as we approach the new year and the new decade, which is super exciting. And I'm creating a program within that that's really allowing people to manifest throughout this year and elevate every area of their life. And there are going to be a bunch of freebies around and, and things like that as well. And what's really nice about my inspiration to launch something right now is to encourage people to understand that we've become so accustomed to coming up with New Year's resolutions or setting goals that sometimes the very concept of that actually stops us from manifesting or getting to the goal that we're after. Of course, it has to do with how we set goals 
But at the end of the day, it's exactly what you were talking about right now. When we set goals and we become very specific about how we're going to get there, which, you know, a lot of people encourage you to. While there's some element of that that is great because you can really visualize it for yourself and you have a plan that you want to take on and all of these different factors that end up helping you way better than not having any goals at all. But at the same time, what people don't notice is that you're actually putting a cap to what's possible. So you're somewhat hindering the ability of the manifestation to be bigger than the goal that you mentioned. And we actually want it to be bigger, right? So if I were to, for instance, back in my first story here where I manifested going to Hollywood, if I would have set very, very specific goals on how that had to happen, I may have not answered that call that day, or I may have stopped somewhere along the line beforehand. But for something bigger to come through, we want to not set goals, but to set feeling-based visions. So they're still pretty specific about what we want to visualize for ourselves. We can see ourselves there, but they're not so specific that we may look at something as being the gap to where we want to go. because it could come through in a way that we least expect it. And we actually want it to. So what we're after is the feeling. And this is a really important point because why do we even want anything we want? We want it because of the feeling we know we'll have in the having of it, right? Yeah. When we really want something, we want the feeling that it's going to give us. For instance, someone wants their dream car, it's like, okay, you'll get your dream car and you'll be miserable. <laughs> you still want it that <laughs> yeah. way? Or it's like, no, wait, no, but that's not what I actually asked for. And people forget that, right? It's a feeling is super important. Mm, and- that's a great point. Like you're manifesting the feeling in a vision versus like this exact outcome that you prescribed that potentially could give you the feeling that you're searching for. Exactly. And I have a funny story that goes along with this. So I'll segue. (laughs) I'm sure you do. A couple of years ago, I needed a car. I remember sitting in my friend's car and she was driving a Volkswagen Golf like a cool new car back then. And I was like, this is nice. It's nothing too fancy, but it drives really well and it looks cool. And I was just like, this is the car I want. I want this. I totally saw myself having it. I wasn't too attached. It wasn't like, oh my God, I need this. But I just remember being really clear about, wow, like now I know what car I want. This is cool. I want a Mm -hmm. Volkswagen Golf. It's not 24 hours pass. And My mom calls super out of the blue. She's like, hey, Ollie, do you need a car? And I'm like, uh, yeah, why? And she says, my husband's dad, like her current husband's dad, he has a car that he got from work and he doesn't need his other car. And so I just wanted to ask you and see if you're, and I'm like, wait a second, cool. What, what car is it? And she says, it's a Volkswagen Golf. You gotta be kidding. Like, oh my god. I'm like, yes, yes. Just tell him, do not sell it. I want to come get it. I rush over there. I'm super on like cloud nine. I'm gonna have a full tag in golf. I get this car for free. Like, it's gonna be free. Yes. Damn, Yali. And so I go over there and I'm super excited. And I call my mom. I'm like, 
so where's the car? I can't see it. So I'm following her instructions. I'm like, nope. All I see is like this, I don't know, there's like a beat up old car on my right. And uh, and she's like, wait, 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 that's, that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I look and I'm like, oh my God, this is a 1995 Volkswagen Golf. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks nothing like my friend's car. And <laughs> I approach the car and I open it up and it's like ripped out inside and I can barely even hold the steering wheel. And this is how old it is. It didn't even have power steering. Now, I don't know if you've ever driven a car without power steering. It used yeah. to be really hard to steer cars. I didn't even know this fact until I tried to drive it. So it was just the funniest thing. It's Israeli summer, August, which is I don't even know how many degrees and it had no AC. It was like the funniest situation. So what do you do? Like I ended did you up take the car? And, and and even after a while I, I ended up really falling in love with it because I was so proud of it. Like I had to always drive on the right and always like go really slow like a certain speed, but we developed a really a special bond and relationship. <laughs> Cuz I was proud oh of it. God. You know, every time it actually got me somewhere I was like, "Wow, this is great." But I think what I really drew from that experience is be really specific about what you want. So people set goals and they're like, you know, I want the dream car. I want to lose 10 pounds. But they forgot to state how they want to feel. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing. Mm. Oh, yeah. So give us a, an example of what it would be like setting a goal. Like um, An example would be – give me an example of one of your. Uh-huh. Hold on one second. Oh my God, it could be a manifestation. <laughs> Check who it is. Oh my God. Um, okay, so a feel okay, a goal. Well, I want to manifest a boyfriend. I want to manifest a boyfriend in 2020. And- Wait, I'm gonna stop you. You're doing well. So you said you want to okay. manifest a boyfriend in 2020. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if it happens tomorrow, is that okay? It's, it's great. I would love You're that. not in 2020 yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just wouldn't put that limit on it. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right. I want to manifest a boyfriend no matter what time. Exactly. <laughs> and, and what if this boyfriend ends up being like a, a husband or a different kind of partner? So you really want to notice your languaging and, and really say, maybe I'm calling in uh, my partnership. That will enhance my feeling of Mm-hmm. A, a man that's looking for a committed partnership who isn't already in a committed partnership, ideally. Amazing. <laughs> See, now you're getting specific in a good way, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that feel better? Just want. Oh, a- you're right. Oh, it does feel soul. better. It's like I want not just a boyfriend. I want a boyfriend that's actually available, and uh, yes, and the kind that I'm looking for. So yeah, so you put your emphasis on the outcome which is how it's going to enhance your feeling of what. And that's a, that's a good point. When you say putting your emphasis on the outcome, it isn't necessarily on this result of the how. It's the outcome of the feeling, which exactly. I think a lot of people get confused on. It's like, well, wait, I thought in personal development, everyone says don't focus on the outcome. It's like, yes, and you're focusing on the feeling, not the how, which is different. The outcome is the actual feeling-based outcome. And 
now I'm going to jump you ahead of this into the next piece of gold here, which is once you've set the outcome, the feeling-based vision, Mm -hmm. you then begin practicing in your practice. And this is why I create a program around it. And it's not just a one-time experience, but anyone can also do this on their own. The thing is practicing the feelings that you're after right now. Because you may not be able to have the detail of the exact guy. You can't bring that physical manifestation into your existence at this very moment necessarily, even though I probably could, but I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I sometimes laugh that when you get really good at manifestations, you you say boyfriend and he like just drops out of your mouth. (laughs) But what you can do is give me some of the feelings that you're after. I want to feel feminine and sensual and Mm -hmm. I want to feel um, empowered and, and very independent at the same time. Like I want to feel that like trust and independence. Amazing. So now that you know what you're really after, which is that feeling of femininity and empowerment and independence, can you have these feelings now before the guy actually comes? Yeah, yeah. Because that becomes the practice, okay? The practice becomes, and we do this through meditation, through other things, how can I pre-program my brain through visualization to already have those feelings that I'm after right now before the physical manifestation is even there, so much so that the manifestation becomes not even important because I am already where I want to be? It's then usually that the manifestation comes, but you can't trick Mm. it, okay? You can't like manipulate yourself. I don't need it, but I do need it. And some people are afraid of this. They're like, but wait, if I'm actually happy where I'm at before the manifestation comes, aren't I telling the universe that I don't need the manifestation? And it's not like that. It's not that it waits and it says, oh, wait, you're content without your manifestation. So you're not going to get your manifestation. The universe listens and when you feel the way you intend to feel when the manifestation comes, the manifestation comes. It's Mm. almost like the universe needs to give proof to how can you be so freaking happy? How can you feel so freaking abundant? How can you feel so independent, attractive and and desired? And when you do, then the proof for that just arrives in the most amazing way and If you remember the detail from before, bigger and better than you expected. Mm -hmm. And it'll come in the way that you least expected. You know, one thing I want to add to that is I don't think the universe wants us to want anything outside of ourselves because we really are capable of having everything that we want and feeling the things that we want by creating them internally and not searching for them externally. And this is also a really great lesson for people. Manifestation is also showing people you can have what you want and you can feel the way that you want without needing it externally. Like if you want to feel sensual, if you want to feel feminine, if you want to feel adventurous, feel it. And then you can also have what you want as as a bonus because you're in that frequency. You're already operating in that. Now, some listeners may think this is like really woo-woo stuff over here. And I just want to mention this is all proven scientifically. 
like if you look at Joe Dispenza's work and, you know, a lot of people out there right now are talking the game of the science Mm -hmm. of, of the brain, like so neuroscience and quantum physics and all these different areas proving what manifestation actually is and how it works and how when you meditate, you create coherence in your body and you, you know, visualization will help you tap into the part of your brain that you only have access to when you're fully creative and, and not in resistance. And the more you practice that, and that's why it's a practice, the more you wire your brain to actually believing it. And Mm -hmm. so it's a physical response. It's not just a spiritual response. Once it is physical, it'll happen in your mind and in your thoughts before your body catches up. That's why resistance Mm -hmm. shows up because your body has all this like cell memory from the past and it tries to feel like comfortable and keep you where you're at because you know, your body's wired to keep you safe. And if it mm-hmm. sees that you were just fine and dandy, like it wants to keep you alive and, and you, you've been staying alive just fine without your manifested partner. So in, yeah. in terms of your body, it's, it's okay with keeping you single because you're alive and that's its job. But then when you work on your mind and changing it through your thoughts and through visualization and through really bringing in those feelings that you're after, the mind adapts to that and eventually your body after some resistance gets let go, um, it will catch up. And when it catches up, everything in your world and around you will physically manifest in ways Mm -hmm. that I said were really surprising and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Golly. (sighs) I'm so glad we were able to do this. I know, me too. See, I had no idea where this podcast was going to take us, but I had Oh, me either. <laughs> it was great. I'm so glad. It is so great. Thank you for all your stories. <laughs> I hope everyone on the podcast enjoyed Yali's stories just as much as I did. Yali, I imagine everybody on this podcast is going to be like, who is this girl? How can I find her? Does she have a website? I want to get into this program. I'm in. How do they find this? So there are several ways that you're going to be able to find this. And uh, a lot of them are in the process of being built. So there'll be more and more out there. So one of the ways you can find me is going to yali.net. That's my personal brand. And some of the things that I spoke about and a lot of the freebies and things like that are all going to be on manifestors.com. Yeah. Uh, So I'll put the links in the bio for all of you who want the spelling of all of that. You can just see it there. Chelsea, you're amazing. (laughs) Thank you for who you've been for me and all the people around you. And I just really want to acknowledge you for, you know, Mm. making this happen. You definitely make things happen. Thank you, Yali. I appreciate you so much. I love you so much. I love you too. 